Coming up on this week's Eastern Conference edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. We're going to pick up from the Western Conference show yesterday and discuss the top Eastern Conference teams that are under the most pressure to make playoffs. Plus, the Toronto Maple Leafs just announced the re-signing of an important piece of the future. That and more coming up on today's edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. It's your team every day. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another episode of the Locked On NHL Podcast, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are free and available on your favorite audio podcast platform, as well as YouTube, where you can like and subscribe to help the show grow. I'm Ross Levitan, alongside Mike DiStefano. As always, it is the Battle of Ontario edition each and every Wednesday. You can find me at Locked On Senators and Mikey over at Locked On Maple Leafs, which is perfect timing because, Mikey, your head coach, Sheldon Keefe, has just signed an extension. Yeah, we got some breaking news that just popped off as we were uh, logging on to do the podcast. It looks like Sheldon Keefe sticking around another two years. He was under contract this year, so I guess uh, similar to Matthews, they're getting it done a year ahead, so there's no lame duck situation. So, He's got three more years left as the coach. And look, I mean, I, I I knew this was coming. You know, a lot of Leaf fans knew this was coming. It was just a matter of time. Um, there were discussions earlier this summer about how Brad Trilliving, you know, he went when he first took the job, went to uh, Arizona, sat down with not only Austin Matthews, but also Sheldon Keefe to get to know him and decide, okay, is this the coach that I want to keep around long term? Or are we going to try and go in a different direction? And uh, he did, you know, say that he, he liked Keith and he wanted to get something done. Sheldon said that something was going to get done. And uh, once they got Matthews out of the way, Sheldon became the next guy, I guess, to, to hammer out a deal with. And, well, you wake up uh, today, Wednesday, August 30th, and Sheldon Keith's got a new two-year extension uh, in uh, in his back pocket. Sheldon Keith took over for Mike Babcock on November 20th of 2019. The year before, he won the AHL Calder Cup Championship with the Toronto Marlies. Do you think the fan base overall has been happy with Sheldon Keith's strategic moves throughout his tenure as Leafs head coach? You know, I, I think it's pretty split, and it's it's going to be interesting to see the reaction of what the fan base thinks because there's some that think that Sheldon Keith continues to get outcoached in the playoffs considering that they have only won a singular playoff round in his tenure um, as Maple Leafs head coach. But, you know, he is a really good, good coach. Like he, he, he is somebody who's always, um, you know, changing up his lines and he's not afraid to, to change things on the fly. I think that he's got a pretty good group of coaches below him as well, you know, as assistants. So, you know, I, I'm a fan of Sheldon Keefe. I'm glad that he's going to continue to be the head coach of the Maple Leafs. There are some things that rubs rub people the wrong way last year. I don't know if you remember, they lost a game against the Arizona Coyotes um, at home, which, weirdly enough, the Leafs haven't beat the Coyotes on home ice since, like, 2001 or something stupid like that. It's insane. Um, but they lost another game, and they got pretty whooped. I think it was, like, a 5-2 game or something like that. And he came out afterwards, and he's like, 
you know, our elite players didn't play like elite players tonight. They, they didn't. They, you know, got outclassed by uh, the opposition, yada, yada, yada. And then he walked those comments back the next day in the media scrum um, and almost like apologized for calling out his top players, which I think people liked that he called out the top players, actually gave him a little little smack on the PP a little bit, and then he walked it back. And that from there on, I think a lot of people kind of lost respect for Keith um, and felt like maybe – you know, the inmates run the asylum a little too much and thought that maybe that means that there's going to be a new coach with a new regime coming in as general manager. But sounds like Brad Trilliving, he's probably, I would assume, will we'll speak at some point in the next day or two um, after this extension. Uh, but it sounds as though, from everything that he said so far, he really likes Sheldon. He thinks that he's a really smart, smart guy. Um, and he's one of the young up-and-coming coaches in the league. And you know, the, the Leafs, according to him, are, are happy to have him on the bench. So he'll be here for two more years. I, I'm curious, though, to see how split the fan base is going to be. Only uh, 42. will be 43 when the season starts. Sheldon Keith, mm-hmm. one of the younger coaches, got to be in the National Hockey League. The direct quote from the press release from new general manager Brad Tree Living is that Keith has shown great leadership skills with his staff and our players and has a clear vision for this team and where it needs to go. Sheldon has established himself as one of the top coaches in the league, and I look forward to working alongside him as we head into this upcoming season. I get it from both sides. You don't want a guy in the final year of his contract, just a um, a bunch of distractions for no reason, especially when you're the Toronto Maple Leafs where money is but an object. So we saw them part ways with Mike Babcock with, what, $25 million left? I think there were four years left on his six-year deal when they pulled the trigger on that. So as much as it is job security in terms of a guaranteed financial income for the next three seasons for Sheldon Keefe, he's still going to have to produce. Oh, 100%. Like, this team's – I know they finally got over the hurdle and won their first playoff round in forever this past season. Um, but, you know, that's that's now the minimum going forward, right? Like, you can't just make the playoffs anymore. This team has to finally win. And with new management coming in means there's got to be higher expectations to get that done, right? Um, so you got to hope that Sheldon Keefe can figure out a way to game plan and scheme a way to, to not just win one round – but win multiple rounds, and obviously the main goal is to win a Stanley Cup here in Toronto. So hopefully that, uh, you know, for, for Leaf fans, they're hoping that Sheldon can put together the right uh, game plan and nucleus and get that done. Would you say the Leafs are under pressure to make the playoffs this season? I probably would say that would be the case, Ross. Why don't we take a break and get into it? Well, we will. But before that, I do want to ask, because every coach has that one decision that they make that the fan base never forgives them for. I mean, you can go back. There's a laundry list with Mike Babcock. But with Sheldon Keefe, what's the one kind of pet peeve that fans have taken to him? Is it playing, uh, you know, a a big lane? I feel like typically it's that they'll lean on like a big shutdown defenseman when that young up-and-coming puck mover isn't getting opportunity. I feel like that's a typical one. But what's the biggest complaint among Leaf fans with Sheldon Keith? I mean, outside of, like, other than the one that I mentioned before where he kind of walked back to his comments about the Leaf players, I would say in terms of, like, playing time-ish is – you know, Nylander and Tavares, just for whatever reason, the last couple of years just have not worked. And he's tried to go back to that well time and time and time and time again. And it just keeps not working. Shocker. 
Um, but he, you know, he continues to try and make it work, I would say. And sometimes maybe a little bit gives that, that, those two, that line a little bit longer of a leash than we want to see, um, in Leafs Nation. So I would say that might be it. That does frustrate some people where they're like, God, just put Marner with the Tavares and put Nylander with Matthews. The numbers show that that combination works best for all parties. Just let's get it. Let's get it done. As sexy it is to see Matthews and Marner together, and it is. They play great together, don't get me wrong, but actually Matthews and Tavares also perform better when they're uh, when they're switched up. So I would say, I guess, that in terms of like coaching and line deployment, that probably would be, uh, would be it there. Also, the fact that Justin Hall gets way too much time, but he's no longer with the Maple Leafs, so no one can complain about that anymore. We call that taking away the coach's toys when you're up yeah. in upper management. You take them away and and Kerfoot and Kerfoot. Like those were the two players who got too much ice time, according to Leafs Nation, and they're no longer with the team. So I'll be curious to see uh, what uh, what what Leafs Nation complains about now, though. Of course, it's got to be something, right? Has to be something because all coaches are bad at the end of the day. Just let them play shinny hockey out there with the most talented players in the world but all that to say the start of the season we usually get that there's a little bit more you know open ice and and higher scoring games before coaches you know figure it out and dull it down to the fact where it becomes a chess game and that's i mean how you win in the playoffs so you got to understand that to an extent take the overs early people take the overs early and hammer the Coyotes when they're in Toronto. That's what we learned in segment one. What are we going to talk about next? It is the teams under the most pressure in the Eastern Conference. I set the parameter at making playoffs. We'll get Mikey's list and how he feels the definition of pressure has to be next. You're listening to the Locked On NHL podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. It's the official sportsbook of Locked On. Go check them out. At FanDuel, get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 to get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. That's a fantastic deal. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy and safe to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. It's FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Welcome back to the Locked On NHL podcast. I'm Ross Levitan. You can find me five days a week over at Locked On Senators alongside Mike DiStefano from Locked On Maple Leafs. Next episode of Locked On Leafs, I'm sure you'll get an in-depth conversation further on Sheldon Keefe signing that extension. And last week, busy week for the Maple Leafs. They signed Austin Matthews to the richest AAV contract in the NHL. But now, what will that pressure produce? Of course, the Leafs are on my top five, but let's start at five and count them down. Mike, what do you have as the team under? Well, you know what? No, rewind that. End it. We want to put the pressure on immediately. Which team is (laughs) under the most pressure? Who has to make the playoffs, has to produce going into this season? So we've set this this pressure ranking as 
like six as playoffs, right? Not cup contention playoffs, correct? If you want to change the parameter for yours, I, I very much get that. And maybe maybe you can put with each team what the pressure point is because it okay. doesn't have to be the same for each. But right. basically, let's put it like this. If Team X doesn't complete goal Y, changes have to be coming next year. I like it. I like it. I like it. All right. So it, it, in that case, um, I, I mean, I still do have Toronto as – I mean, it's it's the pressure cooker of the NHL. They're always – going to be pressure and for a team that just paid Matthews they just extended their coach they brought in a new GM they brought in some new pieces I mean this is a team that needs to find some success right they finally got over the hump and won their first playoff round last year now they got to find some success and now the goal is Stanley Cup I mean it always has been but they finally got that club that first win right now they gotta they realize okay this is what it takes to win a round then they realize okay we can't take the foot off the pedal in round two, though. We got to keep it going. So there's pressure for them to prove that they can not only win one round, they can win two rounds, but they can maybe make a run all the way to the Stanley Cup. So I think we look at pressure to win, I would say, a championship. I think there's a team, there's no team that has more pressure on them this season, again, than the Toronto Maple Leafs. So for me, they're up at the top for the team facing the most pressure. So you don't think because they got over that initial hump of winning one series for the first time in 19 years that it takes a little bit of pressure off? You think it almost exacerbates the issue that, hey, you got to get further? You know why? It's because they played so terribly in that second round and just got mopped up with. Um, That's why I think that it's important for them to get back into the playoffs and, you know, show basically that they can do more than just that. If they would have had a respectable series against Florida, then I think people would be a little bit more on board with Toronto. I mean, there still is going to be pressure. It's Toronto. But I think because they got embarrassed um, so badly in that second-round series, I think it kind of took a little bit away from that first-round win. And now it's, you know, it's left a sour taste inside of Leafs Nation. So I think that they need to really go out and have themselves a heck of a season especially with these kids getting a little bit older. And not only that, but outside of Matthews, their next five highest paid forwards are either up next season or like going into their final year or going into their second final year of their contracts. William Nylander, just this one year left on his deal. Mitch Marner, two years left on his deal. And we know they brought in those hired guns in Tyler Bertuzzi and Max Domi as UFAs. Then on the back end, They've only got three defensemen signed beyond this year, and one of them is Connor Timmons, who's making 1.1. So there is a lot of flexibility beyond this year, let's say, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But what they have on their side is youth, which the team that I'm going to highlight on my first most pressure team. Go ahead. Really, really quickly, one last point there on, on Toronto, just because you mentioned you know, the, the situation with all the players not having a contract. Another one of those guys is William Nylander, who – has not signed an extension yet, right? We got Matthews done. We got Keith done. Nylander's the last guy to get it done. And if you listen to 32 Thoughts podcast last week, um, he did a sit-down with Elliot and uh, and Jeff Merrick, and he's basically like, there's no rush. I got a whole year to figure this out. There's no rush. Um, this team has always wanted to win with this group. And if they don't get it done this year, there's a possibility that Willie walks for more money at the end of the summer. And they it's the last chance them to get it done with this group and this core that's another reason as to why there's a lot of pressure on this specific team this year 
and not only uh, that, but it, it, there is pressure because Kyle Dubas made it so these guys all went to UFA right after their second contracts. They weren't able to yeah. negotiate that RFA like an Elias Pettersson in Vancouver, who's had a similar discussion with Elliot Friedman saying, hey, I'm not in a rush. But at least if you're Vancouver, yeah, you're going to break the bank. But at least you know that he can't just walk July 1st and go wherever he wants. And I bring that up for a reason because Kyle Dubas is the general manager of the team under the most pressure for me because age is not on the side of the Pittsburgh Penguins, but talent is. They should have the best power play in the league next year right up there with Edmonton. If you have Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, and Eric Carlson all in the same power play, throw in Jake Gensel there, an incredible goal scorer as well. There's no reason for them not to be able to make one final push. You're looking at a hundred point defenseman coming in and actually saving money off the cap this year, the way they were able to maneuver and get rid of some high price guys, the Mikel Granlins of the world and others. Like there's no excuses if you're Pittsburgh and this could be their last dance, not with this core or sorry with this core, but like full, full on rebuild. Like they have nothing coming up in the prospect ranks because they've had so much success over the last number of years. No, you're you're exactly right. There's a, a, a so much pressure on this team to win now. It's almost like the last dance, right? Like you, you take that Michael Jordan reference from the doc there, and it, it, it truly is. I mean, these guys aren't getting any younger. And, you know, Kyle Dubas, although he's a first-year general manager in Pittsburgh, he was brought in and clearly brought in with a motive to win first. If you look at the moves that they have made, it's to win this year, right? Like they went, they added guys who add a little bit of depth to this lineup to win now um, and, and some superstardom in the case of uh, Eric Carlson. So I will be curious to see how that all goes. Uh, last year, both Gino and Sid actually played the full season um, and they missed out on the playoffs. So it's not even as though you could say, well, you know, injuries to Gino and Sid and they only missed out by a point. They played the whole year. Their injuries elsewhere on the team, obviously, and they got pretty crap goaltending. But guess what? It's the same goalie who's coming, and injuries are always going to bite you. Um, and, the goal, and, the, and the same goalie's making more money now because they re-signed Tristan Jari to a five-year deal making 5.375. And, I mean, they got to hope he's rebounding. If he has a 909 save percentage, they ain't making playoffs. That's a big bet. That is a big bet to make on, on Tristan Jari for, for Kyle Dubas. So, absolutely, there's going to be pressure on them. I had them as my second most pressure-packed team as well. So, um, and it's strange, isn't it, that you're a brand new general manager in in a in a, in a city, and already you're considered to be um, a team with the most pressure on them to win, not just make the playoffs, but like legitimately, like this team's got to win, or else that's not going to happen for many, 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 many years. You would think. Twelve of their eighteen skaters, not counting goalies, twelve of their eighteen skaters right now are over thirty. Yeah, I feel like that, that's unprecedented. That has to be the most in the National Hockey League, especially when you look at their highest paid forwards. Their top seven, eight, their top eight forwards are all 30 or older. Like that's, I don't, that's even, I don't even know what to say about that. It's just a matter of like, hey, these guys are super talented. Now go out and do it. And that's after moving out like, you know, Granlund and some other pieces that were older to, to try and facilitate some of the moves that they made this summer. Yep, they did bring in Ryan Graves, 28 years old, to a long-term deal. So basically, they are going with the left-side lock on the back end, right? Graves and Pedersen, both really good at you know blocking, playing defensive hockey. And then they are just going to let Eric Carlson and Chris Letang roam all over the place, is, is how I guess. So uh, 
Hey, I know Guy Boucher is on the bench in uh, in Toronto, but I'm sure Kyle Dubas, a known Sens fan, was watching the system back in the day where Eric Carlson had his best year where he literally did not worry about defense at all, but it didn't matter because he was doing so much at the other end of the ice. So Pittsburgh yeah. Penguins certainly under a ton of pressure. I had Toronto up there as well, Mikey. So we'll say those are one, two, uh, in whichever order you'd like. After another quick break, we're going to get into three, four, and five on our list of which teams in the Eastern Conference are under the most pressure to get it done. Welcome back to Locked On NHL. I'm Ross Levitan alongside Mike DiStefano. A reminder that you can find all of the Locked On NHL podcasts wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, where we'd like you to like and subscribe to help the show grow. Whenever something happens, local experts on the biggest stories will take you through the ins, outs, the good, the bad, and lots of great interviews as well throughout the channel. So make sure you are subscribed to your favorite team and your least favorite team, because all comments do just the same. Now, Let's talk about more teams under pressure. Who's number three on your list? So this one's uh, this one's a little bit different for me. I'm I'm talking strictly, I guess, pressure to to finally win a cup because this team has been in contention for years, but just continually um, have not. They just continually come up short, and it may surprise you, but like I, I think the Carolina Hurricanes are are finally going to be under the microscope here. Like they're one of the top teams in the NHL. And they continue to get eliminated pretty early. So I think Rod, the bod, and and crew, um, this this has to be a year where they finally take that step and maybe make a run to the Stanley Cup. Because if not, it'll be another year wasted. And they're getting into that San Jose Sharks kind of territory where it's like, hey, every year they're good, right? Every year they win a couple of playoff rounds, but they can never really make it out of the West or the, the Sharks. But the Canes never make it out of the East. They never make it all the way to the Stanley Cup. So I think that Carolina is going to have the pressure uh, turned up uh, quite a bit this year, I think. Yeah, no, I like that answer. I think that they they also are in a place where flexibility is there beyond this season. They only have three defensemen signed beyond this season, and all of them are only signed for one extra year. So you look at, they went out and they addressed their biggest need or what they thought was their biggest need, which was one more defenseman. Dmitry Orlov was so good with Boston after being traded there from Washington. He also brings a, a experience of winning that cup with uh, the Caps back in 2018. So I, I like their makeup. They obviously got Tony D'Angelo back at a much more uh, reasonable price for a guy who only brings offense and absolutely nothing on the back end. He'll actually hurt you defensively. But if you offset that and play him with a, a Jacob Slavin, maybe you're able to get the most out of out of that pair, although Slavin and Burns played pretty well together last season. But they've got options back there. They brought back Freddie Anderson on a two-year contract. They brought back uh, Antti Rant on a one-year deal. Obviously, they've got that young stud, uh, Kochkov. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, but, uh, why don't I just call him Piotr? I like that. Good, good handle on him. Uh, they've also added my least favorite player in the National Hockey League, but uh, I won't take a bite out of uh, out of naming him. But you look at the top end, guys, um, they, they still have it. Do you think they have a superstar, though, like Spashanaho on that level? I don't know if he, like, superstar may be a, a, a touch high when you're talking about him. And it kind of the market's also never really going to allow a superstar to grow there, I would assume. But I think he's definitely a star. Like he is—he's yeah. a top. He's a perennial, perennial all-star in this league. Like he's a guy who you can certainly 
you know, build around. And, and I think they've done a pretty adequate job in doing so. Sveshnikov is a goal scoring machine. He wasn't, he wasn't healthy last year. So he's healthy this year. That's obviously going to help. Tara Vinen's a pretty good player. Um, you know, they, they brought in Michael Bunting this off season. So we'll see what Mike Bunting can do for them. Yeah, um, the fans told me last year he was a superstar. I guess not anymore. Ah, well, uh, he was never a superstar. That was, that was, you, was, you was telling me he had more points than McDavid five on five. I, he should have won the Calder. That he should have won the Calder, and he did have more points than McDavid at five on five in his first you know season how, in Toronto. That's true. You know, you, know how, you know how you get a uh, Stanley a day with the Stanley Cup? Would they let him bring the Calder Trophy to the old folks home he stays at? Oh, guy, he never won. So no, <laughs> exactly. There you go. <laughs> hey, YouTube. Was that a was it Mo Sider won that year? Yeah, I think yeah. most either one. Either way, um, yeah. So I, I think that they're they're a solid squad, and every year they're in contention to to win the Stanley Cup. And at some point, you know, you, you got to burst through and actually do it, or at least get to a Cup final. Or you know, you, the 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 organization is going to sit here and say, "All right, we got to break up this nucleus. Like this this something needs to change, something drastic, because we keep adding around the peripherals." But I think a drastic change potentially might be the course of action if they don't get something done this year. So that's why I think there's some pressure. But remember, they did not get swept by the Florida Panthers. It wasn't a sweep per head coach, Rod Brindamore. Yeah, it wasn't a sweep. Like If you watch the tape, it wasn't a sweep. Like, no, But the same team celebrated after all four games, and then the series was over. Yeah, but, you know, if you watch the tape, though, Ross, like, wasn't a sweep, though. Wasn't a sweep. Well, I what mean, the line. say that because they won a I, game, but I forgot about that line actually. That's that was an all timer. It's like, wow, really? That was almost as bad as our best players didn't play like our best player. Uh, that was that was something, yeah. That was tough. Uh, I like that though, Carolina, not on my list, but I think it's very fair, especially they're the kings of round two and obviously got to round three this year, unable to get any further. I'm going to go uh, just quickly on this one. The Washington Capitals, I think as as Ovechkin gets older and father time remains undefeated, they have to strike again while he's still producing 40-plus goals a year. I think it's as simple as that. They obviously haven't been in draft positions over the number of years until this year where they got a top-10 pick. And he's not going to – Ryan Leonard's a great prospect, but he's not going to help him out this year where they need – they need, I don't know what's going on with Kuznetsov. I had heard he was asking for a trade that he wanted out. Is Backstrom back? How good or if effective he'll be if he's able to play? So they're getting older, man. TJ Oshie's getting older too. Like That's a, another aging core that do they have one more run in them before a team like Buffalo, Ottawa, Detroit, these teams who have been rebuilding are going to pass them. And, and like they did last year is missing playoffs. It's weird though because like you kind of got the inkling last year they kind of sold off some pieces right like they moved out Orlov they like they were sellers for the first time in basically the Ovechkin era and you kind of got the feeling like maybe they're willing to take a, a step back to try and I don't know think about the future and at this point it's really just let's get Ovi past Gretzky and that seems to be their main objective I don't know if winning is necessarily the main objective, like this isn't really a team I look at and think to myself, oh yeah, they got a chance to to win and make the playoffs. Like that's a stacked, it's a stacked Eastern Conference now. Like that's the thing. Like 10 years ago, the West was stacked and it wasn't that difficult to, to win in the East. That's not the case anymore. And, and, you know, they're in a very tough Metro division and they're, uh, it's going to be so hard 
to win in that division. And then you even think about the teams who are coming up in the Atlantic. Like you've got teams like Buffalo, you got uh, the, the, the senators, the team that you cover, like those teams are looking to make the jump and make the playoffs here. I don't know if I see Washington as, as a playoff squad this season. Um, and they got a new coach. So like, does that put more pressure on them? I'm not sure. Maybe a little less pressure. I don't know. I, for some, like I didn't have Washington on, uh, on, on here. I understand the Ovechkin part of things, but just feels like organizationally last year, they kind of took a step back and were okay with it. Who has more pressure under than you uh, or to you then in the Metropolitan to, to push for another playoff spot, Washington or the New York Islanders who also have an aging team? I got the Islanders on my list here actually up next. So it, it, I think that this is a squad that when you look at their front office, like, I mean, they kind of are getting to a point where it's, yeah, we might need to move on from this squad. Like Lou Lamorello, I don't think is, uh, he doesn't have that much longer of a leash after the the moves that he's been making over the last couple of seasons. I mean, even look at the deals that he made this offseason. I am maybe one of the biggest Pierre Engvall fans in the city of Toronto. I think he's a, a, a decent player. He's a good bottom six guy who can break the puck out and not do a whole lot else to give that guy a seven year deal and make him part of your core is wild. I know it's only 3 million AAV, but the fact that you're, you've identified him as a player you want here long-term for seven years, a guy who's already like 25 years old, that 26 years old. And you're like, yep, that's the player we want. It's like, really? It's It's a Nick Paul deal. It's, yeah, but Nick Paul actually, you know, has done some things in his career and has scored some goals in the playoffs, unlike yeah. Pierre Engvall, who I think maybe has one goal in his entire playoff career. Um, yeah, that that's uh, that's a real – that's a team to me that there's going to be pressure for them to succeed and there's going to be some changes uh, next offseason in, in that front office. All right, give me one more team, Mikey. Yeah, I think uh, it's, it's, it's got to be – this is a coin flip here, okay? You tell me which one you think has more pressure the Rangers or the Panthers. I, I couldn't decide which team has more pressure for the Rangers. It's to win a cup. Obviously I think you look at that squad. It's another aging team. Um, they brought in a new coach to try and get it done and get them over the hump, but they're, they're so good on paper and we've, we've been fans of them for two years now. We're fans. And, and, like we're betting on the, we're using our money, our hard earned cash and betting on them uh, on FanDuel, And they keep letting us down. It's very, very frustrating. Um, and at some point it's like, come on, you, you gotta, you gotta win some games here. You gotta go on a run and potentially win a Stanley cup. So I think the Rangers, uh, are, are a team, but I mean, the Florida Panthers, there's gotta be pressure for them to get back on the horse, right? They just went to a Stanley cup final. So for them, they, I think they're thinking we got to make the playoffs at the very least. Now, look, I, I, I crapped on Florida. I didn't even think they were going to make the playoffs last year. That was like my hot take. And they went on to go all the way to the, to the Stanley Cup final. But this year, you know, there's some injuries there early on, and there's going to be some adversity on that group. But ultimately, you can't go from being a, a, a cup finalist to not making the playoffs, right? So that there's going to be some pressure there on them as well. Florida and the New York Rangers, both plus 2,000 to win the Stanley Cup. That's the uh, tied for 10th best odds. They're also tied with the LA Kings and Pittsburgh Penguins, that is over at FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the Locked On Podcast Network. Carolina actually has the highest uh, odds in the Eastern Conference, plus 950 
to win the Stanley Cup. Only Colorado is higher at plus 850 uh, for them to win the Stanley Cup. My final team, and um, I just feel like changes are coming either way with the new owners, but I have to bring up the Ottawa Senators here as a team that's missed the playoffs in seven consecutive seasons. And fans are starting to get a little disgruntled, I'll say. I think that there was a collective buy-in from the organ or from the fan base to be like, okay, it's going to be bad. It's going to be real bad. And then you have to show that you can get out from under it. Now, um, maybe a little nugget for people. If there's a new general manager, if there's a new assistant general manager at the very least, or president of hockey operations hired in the next two weeks, you heard it here first. Uh, I believe that Michael Anlauer, the new owner, is getting the keys on September 10th, give or take. Uh, he just needs final approval. And we're already hearing they've hired an analytics director, uh, oh, guy, yeah. a guy who was with him in Hamilton and then worked for Sport Logique. And uh, the rumblings are more changes are coming. What was uh, he was big on Twitter back in the day, Sean? Yeah, starting, starting hockey. I Google, I Twitter oh. searched, I Twitter searched his name and then sends. There's some hilarious ones. Uh, I won't read them on air and I didn't tweet them out because I don't want to sewer this guy who just got hired and everyone's excited for him to hire. Um, a lot of them are very fair though with the way that the team's been run in the past. So hey, yeah, maybe, maybe send them over my way and I can bring them up on locked on Leafs and be like, look yeah, at this. Yeah. Look at these guys they are hiring just people who bury them all the time. Oh yeah. Basically talking about bonehead decisions that the management teams made. I was like, dude, that's the same management team that you just, <laughs> <laughs> for now, for now. But uh, uh, the big name to keep your ear on is uh, Steve Steos, who obviously has a long history with uh, yeah. Michael and Laura as well. Uh, and, just uh, randomly, three weeks ago, when Jeff Jackson, McDavid's agent, got hired as president for the Edmonton Oilers, all of a sudden, Steve Steos' name was no longer on the team website. So I did notice that. Don't be surprised if uh, if he's a member of the Senators, but uh, the changes would, I would say, unless it's an unbelievable year for him, I think uh, the conversation, if, if Ottawa can't make the playoffs, will be surrounding Thomas Shabbat uh, after this upcoming season. Do you think... Um... And maybe this is more so a conversation for for another show or for for locked on. But you know, how much of a leash does Pierre Dorian have? It, or do you think it's possible that he could actually get let go before the season even begins? I mean, he's a three time guest on uh, LOSP, so we like to you know take care of our own. But at the same yeah. time, I, I could see the benefit of keeping him. I could see the benefit of moving him. I think if I was in charge, I would hire a president of hockey operations to oversee him. I think that Pierre Dorian has done a lot of good in his time in Ottawa, but Steos be like ready for that type of role. I don't, I don't know if I would go that far, but maybe as assistant GM, and then you kind of you play around with that. But obviously, then if you're Dorian, you hear footsteps and kind of the writings on the wall, right? At yeah. that point, but I do think that this is a make or break year for for him as well because he's got a lot of leash. Like he's the fourth or fifth longest serving GM in the league. He made the conference final in year one and then hasn't made playoffs since. And obviously, you know where the biggest problem with them is identifying bottom six talent and basically the guys who you need analytics departments. And do you know that that hiring was the first full-time analytics hiring by the Senators? It's 23, dude. I know. It's wild. It's wild, man. Kraken have like 15 people in their analytics department. Yeah, it's all about the money, baby. It's all oh. about the money. Hey. And now the new the new guys are willing to spend a little bit. It looks like 
That's the play. That's the play. So, hey, lots more to get to this week on Locked On NHL. Power rankings are coming to you next. You're listening to the Locked On NHL podcast. For your second listen, make sure you go check out Locked On Maple Leafs for more on the Sheldon Keefe signing. And Locked On Senators, we've got our organizational value rankings and changes are on the horizon. But for today, we say goodbye. For Mike DiStefano, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On NHL podcast, your team every day.